Bavakama, Perk Vav, Mishnah Hay 6.5, and the Mishnah continues to discuss the halachas of, of Eish. So it starts out by saying, Hamadlik es hagadish, one who burns down the haystack. Now it literally means who lights the haystack on fire, or the stack of grain on fire, but it doesn't mean that it means that a person lit a fire in his own domain, but then there weren't the proper protections in place, and um, normal conditions prevailed, and the fire spread, and it burned down the grain stack in the neighbor's field. Vahayubo kalim vidalku, and within that grain stack or haystack, there were um, utensils. There's stuff inside, hidden inside the haystack. So although the chachamim did hold, there's a drush they made that it's things like kama, as the pasuk, remember the pasuk which said regarding eish, said kitetze eish umatza kotzim, if you have a fire that goes and spreads, benechel gadish, and it burns a gadish, the haystack, o kakama, or standing grain, o hasadeh, or the field. So three different things. So the rabbis learned o hakama, the standing grain um, that's out there. So they said um, that that uh, the it says things that are like kama standing out in the open, that's what you're liable for. But things that are tamun, things that are hidden, you're not liable for. Rabbi Yudid rejects that drasha. He says, no, you're responsible for things. If you light a fire, you're responsible if the fire burns, um, even hidden objects. And therefore he says, Rabbi Yudid Omer, you must pay a compensation, not just for the burned haystack or whatever it is, but also for what was hidden inside of it. The Chacham Omrim, the rabbis say uh, no, because they're drasha. Eno Meshalem Ela Gadish El Chitin Oshel Sorim. No, you just pay for the stack of hay or grain as it is. The extra words here of like Shel Chitin or Shel Sorim of uh, wheat or of barley is because the rabbis hold that. Let's see a person had hidden, you know, I don't know, um, a, 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 a rake inside the the haystack. So although one wouldn't pay for the rake that was hidden inside the haystack, um, one would pay one would pay for a haystack like um, as if it were full of hay, or if it was a wheat stack f- full of wheat, or a gra- or a barley stack full of barley. The point is, you don't pay nothing for the empty space. You'd pay if the so to speak, if the volume of the hidden rake was one cubic meter and one cu- hypothetically and, hypo- and one cubic meter of grain is worth a hundred bucks, then you would add an extra hundred bucks to the bill, even though you didn't actually burn up that hundred bucks worth of of grain. That's the idea here. Now, and we have to speak out, there are really two kinds of things that could be hidden inside the haystack. You could have things that are normally hidden inside haystacks, like farm implements, maybe a rake or like a winnowing fork or something like that. Plow and stuff, they didn't have like storage sheds, they might, people might hide their uh, farming tools inside the haystack. That's one thing. The other thing is things that don't belong there. A person just, you know, hid his wallet inside the haystack so no one would find it. That's a different thing altogether. So Rebuta holds, there's no exemption. Uh, you're liable if you're responsible for your fire, and therefore you'd pay um, for both of those things. Things that are expected to be hidden there, um, like farming tools, and things that are not expected to be hidden there, like a wallet. The rabbis say you pay for neither. Okay, so it's really one extreme and the other extreme. Now, um, that's part one of the mission. Part of the mission is talking for sure about lighting a fire in one's own private property and it spreads elsewhere. Now we have in part two, there's three parts total. Part two, it's like a, it breaks up the mission. We have a different issue here. Um, it says, If there was a goat that was tied to the stack of grain, and there's also a slave, a human being, um, who's lingering about nearby, and although the Mishnah said explicitly, both the goat and the slave both um, get burned up in the fire. So then the Chayev, 
the person who lit the fire is obligated to pay. Now, um, the issue is that although you have a person dying here, um, since the person wasn't tied up, he should have just ran away. What was he doing lingering around and letting himself you know, get caught up in the fire for no good reason? And so if you could have run away but didn't, so then you're con- the person who had lit the fire is not considered responsible. Therefore, he's responsible for not just the haystack, but also the goat that was also that died there, but not um, the slave. You're responsible for the goat because the Tacham Hupaskin have a drasha that it says, Ohakama, or the standing grain. So there's two words there. There's the O and there's the Kama. So Hakama, the standing grain, teaches you things that are Galui, not Tamun, not hidden things. The extra O, or, tells you um, things that are Bale Koma, um, things that are have have height, have a stature, um, like the word Kama. So that would include things like animals who stand up, like the goat, or also trees, um, would it be included as things you'd have to pay for uh, if one lit a fire. Now, um, in contrast, the and, and one's reliable for the goat, in truth, um, whether or not the goat was tied um, to the haystack, because goats don't have da'as, so if the goat gets killed and the person lit the fire, he has to pay for things that are balikoma, things that have stature, like a goat. The flip side, however, and this really is this you know, part two of the Mish two B of the Mishnah is like you know, it's it's uh, working on a different principle. You have this principle of Kimle Bidarabmine kicking in again, which is when you have a capital crime, the murder of a human being, so then we don't also adjudicate financial penalties or components of a case. So therefore, once you have like someone being murdered, we're not gonna make the the murderer, I'll call him now, um pay for uh, the damage, since that's the rule of Kimli Bidarabine, as you've seen elsewhere in the Masechta. That being the case, um, the Mishnah says, um, if you had Evid Kafuslo, yet a human being, a slave, tied to the haystack, so he couldn't escape, so now his death is really the fault of the person lit the fire. Ugdi Samachlo, and there's also a goat lingering by, that's just for parallelism. So then, Venisraf Imo, if everyone gets burned up on the fire, then Patsur, then the person who lit the fire is exempt from making financial restitution because of this Kimle Bidarabine principle, once we have a capital case to deal with and we don't um, deal with the financial component. And the truth is, I'll make sure it's clear, like I said last time, it doesn't matter if, let's say, we don't have the Adam and Hasra, we need to have the technicalities that are required to prosecute um, this arsonist for for killing this fellow. The point is, once you have someone dying and we're in the realm of capital case, potentially capital punishment, then we don't deal with the, the economic, the financial component at all. Now, um, what's happening here in the backstory a bit of the picture is a machlokus, um, a fundamental machlokus, based on a fundamental machlokus between Rav Yochanan and Reish Lakish regarding when a person uses a, a fire and he injures somebody with the fire that the person dies, kills a person, I should say. So then, um, how do we look at that? So Rav Yochanan holds that a person's fire is like chitzo, it's like his arrow. The same way, if, so meaning, if I shoot an arrow from my property and it lands on a person elsewhere and the person dies, so I'm responsible as the murderer, even though the arrow is far from me because it it's my arrow. I don't look at my property. It's me. It's it's um, Adam Hamazik. It's a person causing damage through his energy um, arrow plus like the energy of the of the you know momentum of the arrow the, the, to the person through the victim. So Rabbi Yochanan says the same really applies for fire. A fire is like a person's arrow. A light of fire in my house is if I don't have the proper precautions or walls or you know we saw in the previous Mishnah you know empty space that would protect the fire from spreading and it spreads and hurts one elsewhere. 
It's like me shooting arrows over the wall and letting people get hurt, and therefore I'm responsible. And if someone dies, that's like an act of murder, and that's the case over here. So in according to Rabbi Yochanan, which is the halacha, we say that the fire could have even been lit in the property of the of the person who lit the fire. But the fire spread, and now he's responsible for the death of this Evid who was tied down over there. That's what we're Um So that's, I'll keep it like that, simple. Now, um, the Mishnah continues, and like part three reverts back to um, this Machlokos Tina Chacham and Rabbi Yehuda regarding Taman, hidden things. So the Mishnah says, if you have a case of Umodim Chacham the Rabbi Yehuda, a case where the rabbis would agree to Rabbi Yehuda, Bamadlik Esabira, if a person sets fire to his friend's property, remember the first part of the Mishnah was setting fire in his own backyard, here he's setting fire to his friend's property. So, and now Abira means like a big house, a person's an arsonist, he lights his, his neighbor's house on fire. Shu Mishalem Kol Masha So now the arsonist who lit the fire must pay for not just the structure that he burned, but everything hidden within it. Or if he lit his neighbor's haystack, he had to pay what's in the haystack as well. Because that's what people do. People store stuff in their houses. And that's normal. Um, and whatever's normal, you have to pay for. So therefore, what that means really is the rabbis are saying normal stuff is kind of anything that's normally kept in a house. Uh, and that you have to pay for, even the Chum agree, because it's not a matter of the drusha of Aish and Kama. It's not relevant anymore, because this person, if the arsonist lights his neighbor's house on fire, it's not an issue of Aish. It's an issue of Adam Amazik. He's causing a fire. Directly. And that being the case, um, whatever could reasonably be expected to be in the house, one would have to pay for. And since pretty much people keep all sorts of things, anything in their house, he's liable for all of it. Um... The Gemara speaks out that obviously, if everything's burned up, we don't know what was inside. But we essentially we believe the the owner of the house to report to us what the inventory was within there, and to the extent it's, it's plausible, he's a rich guy and he's saying there's lots of valuable stuff. We would believe him. Now, um, reflecting back on the first part of the mission, now the rabbis say it's normal to keep stuff of value like your wallet, etc., inside your house, and therefore you'd have to pay for the cash that got burned up as well. If a person lit a haystack on fire intentionally. So the rabbis, well, the Rabbi Yehuda would say, okay, whatever's inside you have to pay for, both the farming tools and the wallet, etc. Uh, the Chum would say, people don't normally store wallets inside of haystacks. That's not where they belong. So it's the derech b'nei adam lahaniach babat, and people keep things like wallets in their houses. They don't keep it in their haystack. And that being the case, the Chum would hold still. If a person was an arsonist and intentionally lit their neighbor's haystack on fire, while the arsonist would have to pay for whatever's burned that should normally be expected to be kept inside a haystack, like farming tools, he still would not be liable for things that do not belong and should not be expected to be hidden inside a haystack, like like a wallet. Okay, and, and all these things, the lach is like the chachamim. So bottom line there in being, if one lights in his own property and the fire spreads without proper precaution, then he's liable for um, anything that's gully, but not tamma, not hidden things. Um... And if a person lights in his neighbor's property, then he's liable for everything uh, that he causes damage to, uh, including what's hidden there, assuming that it's the kind of thing that is normally hidden in such a place.